This podcast is powered by you. To find out more, go to stdpodcast.com slash support. And welcome to STD, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How's it going, Cal? I'm doing pretty good. Kind of cool to be back doing Star Trek Discovery podcast, STD, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. So can't complain. And it's Christmas next uh, Monday. So even better. It's Christmas time, but it feels like summertime right now. What what happened? It snowed like last week. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also we have joining us back again for another round, the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. John, how's it going, dude? Awesome, man. I'm so glad to be back recording. Uh, I've missed doing this. You know, since it's been my first podcast, actually, I kind of got in the habit and look forward to recording every week. So just to be out and not recording, I kind of miss something. So I'm glad to be back. Yeah, man, you've been on a, on a bit of hiatus, dude. It's just good to have you back in the fold. Yes, yes. Just trying to make that big money like you guys are making these. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I wish. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> so guys what we do on this podcast re- is review each episode of star trek discovery in somewhat excessive detail but uh there is no star trek discovery going on right now uh, no! Yeah, no kill me now <laughs> so we see in our latest promo they've kind of named the first or the fall season like chapter one and the second half chapter two have, have you guys seen any of that stuff no, uh-uh. I have not. Yeah, so we got an episode list out of, of the episodes for Chapter 2 of Season 1. And, of course, we did. We already had the f- name of the first episode, which is Despite Yourself. I think we have to, got that a while back. But we got a few more, and they are kind of interesting there. Uh, have, have you guys read these, or have you seen the, the link down there? I did, I don't remember them, but I did see a promo video with them on. It was a nice, like a nicely edited video of like the, like they had all of the titles going in and out and sort of like a slideshow type deal, but it was pretty cool. I don't remember them. Uh, I think you may have shared something or maybe it was another website shared something saying, can you guess the episode's plot by the title? (laughs) Well, let's let's run through said titles real quick. Uh, episode ten on on the January seventh, despite yourself. Episode eleven, the Wolf Inside. Episode twelve, Vaulting Ambition. Episode thirteen, What's Past is Prologue. Episode fourteen, The War Without, The War Within. Episode fifteen, and the finale, uh, Will You Take My Hand? Man, they. They've managed to, in this first season, to have some really weird (laughs) episode titles. It's like you can discern nothing from these. At least I can't. Maybe you guys have a little bit further insight on those, but I'm I'm kind of lost. 
Hmm. Okay, so here here's here's my response to that when reading this. I'm 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 getting back into my historian hat and you know similar to what we're doing here we get the episode titles for Doctor Who in advance and there are sometimes where you take a title uh and completely go one direction with it and then you know you watch it and it's totally n- you know not even uh you know what that's about. I'm yeah. sitting here reading reading what what these are and the last two particularly caught my interest which is the war without and the war within and the will you take my hand kind of caught my attention. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I I, t- I tend to think the episode entitled The Wolf Inside reminds me a lot of Lorca, so maybe it's something Lorca Lorca might be dealing with in that episode, maybe. I don't know. And also what jumps out to me is what's past is prologue. I'm thinking, okay, is that a, are we going to tie into some other series some way that we haven't before? Maybe, uh, just some really weird titles. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I kind of did, like I said, it was, uh, I think they're seeing them saying, try to guess the plot. And I kind of formed a storyline out of them. And it kind of goes something along the lines of, Lorca has some kind of internal battle going on and somehow, some way, Burnham has to take uh, command of the ship. Okay. And at some point or another, her and Saru have to come together to actually command the said ship. And close to the end, um, Burnham and, uh, gosh, was Ash? Gets married, so that's kind <laughs> no, of no. <laughs> that I say no. See, I went completely in another direction um, the, than that. I was sitting here thinking, all right, the war without the war within could go two directions. Kind of what you said, Jonathan, in a sense of you've got one, you know, the war without being, you know, what's going on. Outside the ship, the war within is the power struggle within. But it could also uh, not I don't want to say spoilers here, but it could also have to do with a particular character, the nature within and the nature without or the, the, you know, the inside and the outside of that person. And the will you take my hand made me think of this person I'm referring to interacting with two just very different female characters in some way of will you take my hand as in which way is this other character going that's kind of yeah that that war without war within definitely i think you were hinting at valk there slash maybe ash tyler we don't know um (laughs) yes but but definitely could be where that that title is actually going you know i did not put that together like that but that is very that's very good i like that thank you sir and then maybe the the will you take my hand could be maybe a struggle struggle between um was it Laurel and and Burnham maybe right <laughs> fighting <laughs> or or could right. it do could it be that uh will you take my hand is whoever uh he's reaching out to trying to you know either he's bad or either he's good and that depends on you know, I guess per- perception, but also who he's reaching his hand out to, perhaps. Cool. Yeah. yeah. 
And possibly, just possibly, I'm going to throw this one out here and uh, I'll receive the wrath of Kyle after this one. <laughs> but vaulting, vaulting Ambition could be a Tilly episode. I'm just saying. Oh, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Cal is having. All I was thinking is maybe she finally gets promoted to Ensign. <laughs> That's as far as you went. <laughs> hey, you know, she she does have lofty goals. I got to give her that. She's got to at least make Ensign. <laughs> Kyle, I'm going to make a prediction that by the end of the season, Tilly will be one of your favorites. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Claire, guys. Are you still there? Um, I, I, I kept hearing this feedback. Sorry. It, it was just like Tilly favorite. And it was like, okay, something's wrong with my uh, headphones. Sorry. <laughs> so, guys, moving on from there, uh, just a few more. Well, I kind of got ahead of myself in our birth episode titles, but let's just talk about some more of the Star Trek news that's been out. Then uh, maybe we can talk about our thoughts on the first half of the season a little bit toward the end of this episode. There is a Star Trek Discovery soundtrack out, which, you know, it's available on Spotify. I have not sampled said soundtrack, but uh, it seems pretty interesting. I did not see Wycliffe John staying alive on the soundtrack, so I was a little bit disappointed. Well, there's no point in getting it. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, it's the orchestral version of the themes and all the other stuff that is in the show. So it might be pretty interesting to check out. You know, you can listen free on Spotify. So I think that that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, Yeah. And also some more news. uh, We actually talked about in our last episode, uh, the Star Trek Discovery comic. Light of Kalis by IDW and they have announced that they're going to be doing an annual uh, comic which lo- looks like the first one is featuring um, Stamets. It seems to be pretty pretty interesting. So let me ask this question and again I guess I accept the wrath from both of you guys. Uh, is comics actually that interesting? I mean I've never read a comic and I've always thought it to be like boring, maybe. Well, like I don't. Know. I'll, I'll let Kyle. Is it like reading the comics in the newspaper? Or? No, 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 <laughs> not the funnies. <laughs> I, I, I'll let Kyle. I'll let Kyle no, actually, actually, event. Clarence, I think I, I would rather you go first because I feel like I'm much more into. You know, I have such a history with it. You don't have as big a history as I do, so I'm curious to see your perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it depends. Uh, I think, particularly in this case. You are into the Star Trek world. You love Star Trek. These comics will interest you, particularly because uh, the Light of Kalis, which is what we reviewed in the last episode, and also this annual that's coming out in March, it is directly tying in to the series that we're watching. So the one coming out in March is a 48 page book, and it's going to give us a little backstory on um uh, Stamets and, 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 and Culver a little bit and, and tell us a little the backstory of the technology of the ship and the sort of things they did in the, before we actually got into what we see at the beginning, uh, episode two of Star Trek Discovery. So particularly in this case, it is right in that subject matter that's going to allow you to jump in and, and be comfortable with it, you know? Okay. Yeah. So here, here, here's my take on that. I've noticed that 
when I'm, with the exception, I have to give credit to the um, IDW comic that we reviewed because they did a very good job writing it. But I've noticed that anytime I find a book that is a comic book adaptation of a TV show where I've seen the characters in real life, excuse me, before I've seen them on a comic book page, it's harder for me to transition to reading a comic about that. Having said, yeah, having said that, I've noticed regardless of that, like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Avengers, Captain America, or whatever, with with anything, whether you like science uh, fiction or whether you like mysteries or whether you like, you know, whatever the genre is of a prose book, it all goes back to the character that you identify with. And it also goes back to how well they're drawn and they're written for from a comic. That's that's for me, because there's some X-Men books that I'll buy that it takes me two minutes to read because the artwork's crap. And I'm like, OK, I, I can't get into this. But on the flip side, there could be another comic book that's the same amount of pages that it takes me 10 or 15 minutes to read because I'm like getting every you know, panel and every ounce of info in that book. So I think it's, you know, if you if you never read them, it's worth giving it a try. So when you when you're reading comics, are you more interested in the story in the comic or the artwork? If it's bad artwork, it kind of turns me off. So I can't even sometimes get into the like if it's really, really cartoony. You know, uh, if you had um, Lorca drawn looking like, you know, Mickey Mouse, I I couldn't get into that. (laughs) You know, if if it was if it was really cartoony and this is supposed to be really serious. So I guess to answer your question, it does impact the art, you know, the artwork does. But as long as it matches what I'm reading, then the the artwork really is is a byproduct. I kind of get lost in the story. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of agree with that, too, because I remember when we were talking and kind of reviewing uh, Civil War II, um, when we were on the mainline book, it, the art looked fantastic. But when you kind of branched off to some of the other books, the art was not good. <laughs> right. So in, in those instances, I found it taking me out of the story. I'm like, oh, this just doesn't look as good. I know it's just art, but the story's still okay. But I, I totally get what you're saying. Cool. I'll have to give that a try. Yeah, I mean, and it's cool to have these stories that are, you know, canon and surrounding what we know that is on screen and, you know, filling in the gaps of what we haven't seen or what we may never see on screen. I think it's really cool. So I'm all for stuff like this. In addition to a book, which I've barely cracked open, I need to read Desperate Hours, the first uh, Star Trek Discovery novel. I think there's another one that came out i cannot remember the title but there's also another one coming out in a few months i believe but i like how they're setting up this world and you know i'm kind of kind of to the point where if there's anything to consume (laughs) star trek discovery i'm going to consume it so i I just think it's all cool so just to speak a little bit to some of the uh, hate that Star Trek Discovery has gotten. We've talked about it sometimes before of how much just pure and other other hate that fans of the series are giving it. I have to say, having watched The Last Jedi, 
I'm a bit <laughs> I'm a bit happy that some of these folks are are having similar hate towards Star Wars now because it's kind of the same thing in a way, but not as blatant. Definitely not as blatant as Discovery as far as changing things. But, you know, people see their canon or their their childhood, this show they love, been watching forever in a certain light. And if it's just knocked off that axis just a little bit, the fans will come out. And we're seeing that kind of in, in the Star Wars slash Last Jedi world right now jonathan have you seen the movie i did get to go see that this past sunday and okay so here's my thoughts a couple of thoughts number one uh if you were well let's let's start with what i thought about the movie (laughs) let's try to stay as spoiler free as we can (laughs) yeah yeah i'm uh i i'm just a well not as big but star wars is close to star trek for me so i i do love star wars like to the point where i've seen like all the movies multiple times which most of us have you're a prequel guy you're right yeah well yeah 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 but you you know i think the biggest mistake was george lucas backing out of it i just i miss the star Wars, the george lucas star wars i i do and this this movie was very good it was very good but it was not the Star Wars I love. And I think on the same line, I think that's the problem a lot of people are having with Star Trek Discovery because Star Trek Discovery is not the Star Trek that we have all known to love, but it is a very good show. The difference between the two is Star Trek is a series of episodes that we're looking forward to. So it gives us something to look forward to. You know, Star Wars, I mean, that we sit down, I watched the movie, gave it all to me at once, and I formed an opinion. And I really have nothing else to look forward to, except maybe a next movie sometime soon. And I think that make, that changes your opinion of things. And it's just, I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't pay to go see Star Wars again. <laughs> but I wouldn't say it was a bad movie. <laughs> wow. I'll just, I'll be serious. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I probably will go watch it again, but I mean, we've, we've been on other co- podcasts, the reality breach podcast, me and Kyle was on there. So you guys, if you're listening, you should check, definitely check that out at realitybreach.com. We give our 20, 25 minutes bill of what we think of the movie. Not, all hate. I think Kyle was a little more optimistic about the movie than I was, but yeah, I, he was. Yeah, I, I definitely had issues, and you know, just I mean, relating it back to Discovery, it's just funny to see how when someone's vision of what they know this thing that they love to be is just skewed just a little bit, how the pitchforks can come out quickly and i'm not immune to that because I, I definitely was bringing out the pitchforks on, on uh the last jedi a bit but but uh, overall i'll just say i did enjoy the movie as well i if, if you don't mind me saying this real quick and this is tying this back to discovery because it was something that i realized that i never paid attention to until you guys were talking which was where I was coming from, from my point of view with Star Wars being I'm the classic. I grew up, you know, 1977. I went to see it, blah, 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 is, you know, I was the purist. I was the, you know, the original fan for that and was loving it because of some of those, th- you know, fan services to the original. 
However, for me, with Star Trek Discovery, I'm one of the new fans. Uh, not that I didn't like Star Trek or what, but I've identified or liked this particular story so much more because it's so different. So I'm like completely opposite of the reasons why I like it than I was with Star Trek. Hmm. Yeah, and just to maybe take that a bit further, we got some fan be- feedback on the Orville episode we did. And some real is long, but it's some really, really good feedback. So I'm going to attempt to talk through some of this and maybe we can give our thoughts on what, uh, Celephant, Frog, I guess that's the dude's name. Weird, I know. And we can kind of give our, our, our thoughts on kind of the, some of the stuff he said. So let me try to go through this. The Orville has the heart and soul of Star Trek with its positive messages and social commentary ensemble cast of likable characters, utopian society, and episodic space adventures. So that's your answer to what defines Star Trek and what Orville has managed to, has done to make it feel like Star Trek. While STD has the name of Star Trek, it boldly goes into a story that are none of these things. They have familiar track names of things, but that's all they have. So that kind of hit home with me because that is a very, <laughs> a very, very valid point. If you take Discovery and you manage to skew some of the Star Trek names and maybe some of the visuals, it would be unrecognizable to a Star Trek fan of old. Is that just me? Or, uh, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And I, I, I do agree that. Orville is more similar to the Star Trek we know and love, but it's not Star Trek. So get <laughs> off it. I just, I, I mean, I, I give it, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And I mean, it gives you that feel good feeling, you know, that you would watch with Star Trek. And I mean, it's good. It's good for what it is, but it, it's still, so, and it's still the problem goes back to the problem I said with this discovery. You know, I think if discovery does this in upcoming episodes, I'll be perfectly happy after that. I need some plausible science. <laughs> I really do. I need plausible science that makes me look forward to the future. And so far Orville hadn't done that. And discovery hadn't done that. <laughs> Yes, but okay, the science part, you, you might be right, but I'm thinking of some of the themes, some of the arcs in Orville that are that utopian, um, society type of things, the uh, type of things that make you think, make you wonder. And uh, have you seen, have we seen all of Orville season one? Has everybody seen that? Yes. So yep. it, in, in the very last episode, uh, was it false idolatry or idolatry? I can't remember the exact name of it, but the episode was just wonderful, man. And, and I look at that episode and many of the episodes they did this year as, you know, perfect, um, what you would expect of something you'd see on Star Trek. Now, that being said, discovery is very different. A, because we're in a moment of war. This is not a moment of peace. And we've been in war moments. No, I was going to say, we've done war before, haven't we? Yeah, but we ha- have. We not as such detail. Yeah, not and as not detail. in 20, you know, and not in the late 20 teens. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, and even in the cases where we were in war, I think maybe DS9 is more than any other uh, series, uh, in my opinion. But we're in one location for the most part. So right. I, I think you can still have some of those same stories because they're not off going to this battle and that battle. They're still in this one place and they have some of the same things going on each and every episode. So, I mean... And at DS9, I mean, even though the Dominion War was like the basis of the storyline, it was not the most important part of the show, if that makes sense. Like, I watched DS9 for the smaller arcs in the show, not just for the Dominion War, even though that's the main part of it. And I think Discovery, it's a lot of focus on this war. Hmm. So do we think we would ever in Star Trek Discovery in particular, will we pivot from that? Will we go into a phase where it's less, less war, which seemed like we almost got to that point, maybe in the end of the first half of the first season, it kind of put a book book in on things a, a bit. But do we think we're going to go into a different phase in the second half of the season or maybe in the series going forward uh, period? that we're going to be more in this utopian aspirational phase, or is it going to be war the duration of this series? I don't think it's going to be war, but I think we're not going to know what to expect. Hmm. I would, I wouldn't know how to just, how to, I wouldn't know how to, how to figure that out, but I, I, I would be very disappointed if we didn't break away from this cycle, from this moment, from the war and all that. I mean, I appreciate it, and it's great, but it has to be an end, or else we're going to – I mean, most people will stop watching it. Just- true, true. And I'm not meaning that we're going to stay in war, but what I'm comparing it to is to anyone who's seen the the uh, TV show Alias before, uh, without you know going really into it, you would get thrown in the middle of a season a – you know something out of left field, right field, center field, not even in the ballpark. And it completely changed the course of the story that you've been watching. That's kind of what I'm referring to is I think they're going to keep us on your toes, whether it may be in the very first episode of chapter two, the war ends and you go off on some kind of other something. That's kind of what I'm meaning. You're not going to know what to expect. All right. And hopefully it does do that. I mean, that's that's what it's going to take, because, I mean, like our like our feedback suggests, this is I mean, a lot of people are not liking it because it's not the Star Trek we're used to. So they're going to have to come up with something to keep keep us watching, which I guess I'm going to watch regardless of how bad it gets. <laughs> just because of Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it makes me think of like, how does. I mean, where does Alorca fit in in a post-war Star Trek Discovery? Where does the ship Discovery fit in in a post-war Star Trek Discovery series? It would be so different because that character in this ship are so geared toward this particular task that we're we've been fighting for the last what six months or whatever um, in this war. So j- just to see like how does how does Lorca fit in in a in a series where we're not trying to kill stuff. <laughs> It'd be really weird. You know, in, in a couple of times in Star Trek history, you've had ships and or captains that were basically designed or 
bred for war and that's what they've done and in the past starfleet is always like we're not going to talk about it or we're going to try to hide it so i the episode on tng where riker's old captain was trying to resheat he's trying to find a ship that was like lost in a comet or asteroid or something and they had some kind of drive that allowed them to momentarily phase out of normal space and go through solid objects and it was designed to win i forgot which war and this captain was like he was dead set on reviving this ship and reviving this technology because he believed that there's still a war going on with the romulans and it just hadn't come to a head yet and Starfleet did everything they could to bury that and to stop him. And I think that's kind of where, if this stays in canon, I think I assume that's how they're going to bury Lorca and the Discovery. Well, that just goes back to it and reminds me of the old saying that says history is written by the victors. So, True. you know, if, if, if Lorca is indeed kind of, uh, you know, shined in the history of, well, this is 70 years from now. We, you know, if we go back 70 years per se, we don't know of every single person that was on the radio news or in the newspapers that was a general or whatever in World War One or World War Two. So you look at it from that perspective, they, you know, um, you know, just got lost to history. Yeah, and I kind of think of just pivoting off something you said, you know, like like the canon discussion. Like we've we've had this chapter one, our first half of the season. How are we feeling now about where this show falls within canon, or we have we just given up on that completely? <laughs> I, I haven't. Uh, I think I mean I think everything can still be worked out within canon just depending on how they do it and there was an interview a few days ago uh, that they did with the director and I'm trying to find it I saved it anyway and the question to him was number one are we going to see Spock and number two what are we going to do about all of this canon discussion and he assures us on both things saying number one, we will not see Spock. And number two, even though you see a lot of things that doesn't seem to be in the prime timeline, understand that this is happening on a complete opposite side of the galaxy than ten years later uh, Star Trek is gonna happen. Uh, is it and true? number is it true? And, <laughs> well, they did mention because you I don't know. I have to go back to an article, but this star base that uh, Lorca went back to when he got his medicine and all that. Mm-hmm. And that star base is close to the, I think it was, I don't know where it was in the discovery timeline, but there's a comparison to the star bases in the current Star Trek timeline. And it shows it as a base that's actually on either on the border or actually in Romulan space. Gotcha. Which, if you're in current Star Trek timeline, Romulan space is kind of on the opposite side of the galaxy anyway. So hmm. I don't know, but he assures us that he, he has some very avid Star Trek 
fans as writers and advisors, and they are doing everything in their power to make sure that this <laughs> conforms to canon. He said, you may not see it yet, but it will. It will tie in perfectly to the original series 10 years later. I don't know. I mean, I look at even at the time when Enterprise came out, it looked to be way more technologically advanced than what we saw in TOS. Of course, this newer show is going to look newer, but I could still twist my brain some type of way to say, okay, <laughs> I, could, I could see how that might be before. But with this show, man, it's, I think they broke it so much um, with, you know, not only just ship design and costume design, but things like, like, uh, the, the, the holograms and the, um, just so many, so many things. The, the, these, the holodeck esque thing they were doing and, and the, um, yeah. it's, it's a lot <laughs> to reel back in. And of course, I mean, the, I guess the biggest of this, which I've kind of gotten over, I don't even hold this against them anymore, is the difference in the look of Klingons. I could, I could maybe see, seeing them tie that in more than anything else they've done. Cause you know, they can make up some disease or something, blah, 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 and tie it in together or give us a good explanation. But man, it's just, it is not like I'm hurt over. I'm, I'm obviously hurt because I'm talking. I, I can deal with it. But to me, it's just, again, when we talk about the fans and we talk about the classic fans and what they expect and what they love about the show, you know, even if they could get past the, the not being in the utopus, utopian hopeful society part of it. They just look at this and it's like, what am I watching? Okay. Let me ask a question to you guys. So what if while this war is going on, there's some type of, and you know, I know it's not like an electromagnetic pulse because they keep saying, you know, that could on, on earth wipe out all the uh, cell phones and blah, blah. And, uh, but what if there's some, something in space maybe and it could also be from the discovery drives these spore drives that they're doing something happens it explodes at some point and that has some type of effect on technology throughout the galaxy or the universe or however you want to say it and hence sets technology back which then explains the technology in uh the original series ah cal i like where you're going yeah. And I have two words. Okay, not going to happen. No, Omega Particle. Okay, ex- explain. Claire, uh, do you remember Omega uh, Directive? Uh, I, yeah, I remember the uh, Catherine Janeway and the Omega Directive, but I it I think we so, talked about this before. This this makes it where they can't do warp travel within a particular part of space, right? No, 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 no. That think- was uh that was, well it does prevent warp travel as well. Uh but uh, I know what you're talking about, and I don't forget what caused that. Uh, but the uh, Omega particle was basically there were scientists were toying with the idea of drawing power from, I want to say, was it uh, like maybe a black hole or particles in a black hole or maybe the particles of supernova i forgot but anyway the scientists the scientists were toying with it and like it was an accident and like this exploded 
and it destroyed everything like with a large amount of space which warp drive you can't use warp drive through it uh it destroyed all electronics it destroyed it basically destroyed everything like this was very serious and cal to explain it to you it's so basically if this particle is detected there is a directive that pretty much supersedes any starfleet rule so like at that point, once you detect that particle, the captain is under obligation to destroy this particle by any means necessary. <laughs> so that includes breaking prime directive. That, that includes dying. Her, the cap, if the captain has to die to do it, they need to do it. If the ship has to be destroyed to do it, they have to do it. Like, there is absolutely no way this particle should survive. And it's that bad. And we don't really know. They explained why it was that bad, but they didn't go to a whole lot of detail. So, I mean, going along with your point, uh, maybe that could be a, a thing. Maybe Lorca maybe experiments with something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I, I could definitely see an arc where they discover this particle and somehow they have to destroy it. And it winds up with the with the I'm, I'm guessing time travel travel capability of the sport drive, which they haven't said yet. but I'm predicting. Maybe it could somehow kill them and somehow wipe off their existence from ever, you know, being in in the universe. Maybe I don't know. So that could explain a lot of things. If you look in the long run of that, it could explain why we don't ever see Burnham in in TOS or where there's no mention of her. It could it could go in a lot of different directions to, to explain why, you know, discovery is never talked about. Right. And Cal, if you look on, uh, it's actually pretty. It's a pretty cool idea. I love this part of Voyager. If you go to Memory Alpha and look up the Omega Directive, and it'll tell you. But I just quick note: it says one particle of Omega contains the same power as a warp core. Ah, okay. So it says theoretically, a small chain of Omega particles could sustain a civilization indefinitely. So that's the kind of power you're talking about. So. I mean, if this if there's an accident with this, I mean, you very well could wipe out everything. The Borg see it as perfection. <laughs> it's, it says it existed in nature for an infinitesimal period of time at the exact moment of the Big Bang. Hmm. I can see it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So let's any other just overall we covered a, a good bit of news and talked about some fan feedback any other thoughts of just the first half of the season this will probably be our last episode before we get into chapter two unless we come up with something before then but i'm i'm thinking it's going to be our last episode before uh chapter two so just any thoughts you know on on the first half of the season or any predictions for the second half hmm that we hadn't already covered. <laughs> we did talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, I, I'm as so far, I'm very happy about what we've seen so far. Like I said, it's not the Star Trek we're used to, but I am thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, and hopefully, as their as the directors are promising, all of this ties in, and they kind of put a nice little bow on it to make it work in timeline. And if they do that in a good way. This will make this so awesome. Okay, so here's my take. I keep going back to the fact that I like this show a lot, be- lot more uh, than I 
thought I would. And I think that's my biggest takeaway. I keep saying it over and over, but I really thought going into this that I would be watching a Star Trek show that would be more like the Orville, not not dissing the Orville in any way. But I didn't realize that I would be anticipating and, uh, you know, sitting here going, OK, what's going to happen? What might happen? Never done that with anything Star Trek. So that uh, is my biggest takeaway for the uh, first season or first chapter. Cool. Cool. So, um a, a few things I want to mention before we move on real quick. Uh, Will Wheaton trolled Star Wars by wearing a command classic TOS command outfit in um, in the theater. So I thought that was pretty funny. Freaking awesome. <laughs> oh, speaking of trolling someone with Star Wars, did anybody see the Mark Hamill response that he did to the net, to the net uh, neutrality guy? Uh, to Agent, Agent Pi? What did he do to him? Yes. Okay, so basically, I think this was the day after the uh, net neutrality vote. This dude put out this video on YouTube. I mean, not on YouTube, on Twitter. It may have been on YouTube, but he shared it on Twitter. That was basically him doing this very corny, and trust me, I know corny, so um, (laughs) very corny, um, song rendition with his lightsaber saying, these are all the things that you can still do even without net neutrality. And he's basically with a lightsaber acting like a Jedi and Mark Hamill basically responds back to him. And I don't know the exact phrasing, but it was basically saying, you know, you are not even worthy to hold a lightsaber, Ooh. not, uh, not less, uh, use one and you're not a Jedi, you're blah, 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 blah. And, oh, and by the way, uh, did you pay, uh, John Williams the royalty for using his music? Oh, that's funny. Oh, wow. So I was like, yes, go Mark Hamill. Dude, that's that, awesome. That's like freaking, that's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Man, to have Mark Hamill tell you that, that's, that would, that would hurt. <laughs> yeah. That's man. awesome. Man, this net neutrality thing. I'm not going to get into it because I know that's a whole three-episode conversation, but it sucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we may have to talk about that on some other show. <laughs> maybe Techpedition? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, um... I'll be a guest. Yeah, for sure. We got to gotta get you on to... to uh, I've never been on, too, by the way. Wait, you've been on Techpedition? No, yeah. I have not. Uh, nope. Uh-uh. Wow, really? I, I kid you not. Nope. Uh, we got to fix that. <laughs> so what other show might you be and, on if it's not Techpedition, Cal? Um, maybe another show that you're on called, uh, what was it? Discussing Who. Cool, cool. And how do people find out about that? Uh, they can go to uh, DiscussingWho.com, and that will um, pretty much tell you all about Discussing Who. And uh, you can also go to uh, YouTube.DiscussingWho.com for our comic book related uh um youtube video sorry my brain is like totally fried here for a moment um and speaking of comics and since this is probably the last uh you know std podcast that we will have until january do you want to tell the std viewers of what's coming in january as well 
Yeah, yeah, we're going to uh, be branching off as far as discussing who is concerned. We're going to be branching off our comics-related shows into a totally separate feed. So we're going to have Discussing Who for the Doctor Who-related content that you know and love. And on our Discussing Comic feed is going to be pretty much comics and uh, everything else that we want to talk about. <laughs> yep. There you go. And we'll have some new voices joining us. So that's going to be fun, too. Cool, cool. So, John, man. Any final thoughts? Anything you're working on? Anything that's tickling your fancy in the in the internets or or not? No, not at this time. I'm dreading Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek. Oh, you missed that episode. <laughs> I did, but I just have to say I, I am not looking. I just know he shouldn't be nowhere near he, Star Trek. He's a fan. He's great. He's a fan. I understand. I understand. I, I, I'm a fan of singing, but I don't like go out and do it in public. <laughs> wow. You really have some hate for Tarantino, huh? I, I like some of his movies, but I just, it, 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 no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you, Jonathan. Just because you're a fan of a genre or a particular set of characters does not mean you need to direct them. That's all I'm saying. Hey, man, um, Patrick Stewart said he'd come back for a Tarantino-directed Star Trek movie. Because he's going to make a buttload of money. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I said the same thing about Seth MacFarlane. I said there's no way he's going to make a good Star Trek-like show, and he proved us wrong. Yeah, but he got some pretty good Star Trek brass in there behind him that is directing, producing, writing, all that good stuff. I mean, J.J. Abrams was a stretch to start with. And, eh, you know, okay. But now you want Abrams and Tarantino. Unless Sam L. is in it, I probably don't want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the day, Sam L. in Star Trek. (laughs) Turn this Never mind. (laughs) Hey, we have a deal. We can have Sam L. too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that should be interesting. I can't wait till more news of that starts starts popping up. Yeah, well, we'll see. So, guys, if you want to know more about this show, you can go to stdpodcast.com. Please subscribe to the feed and also check out our YouTube page. Give us a, give us a like and subscribe over there as well. Um, first and foremost, if you want to help this show, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's the best thing you can do to help the show. But we also have a Patreon. If you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash stdpodcast. And guys, I guess that's it. Unless in four four twenty seventeen, unless you guys have something else. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the STD Podcast. For more information, go to stdpodcast.com slash subscribe.
Oh, dear. I think you want me to say something about the recorder.